chance with those other guys. Bet your buck on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage, egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Limited time only during breakfast hours. U.S. price of participation may vary. Limit five qualifying items per transaction. Not valid on a combo. Excludes honey butter chicken biscuit. Louisiana broadcasters are looking for the best of the best, announcing the 2022 LAB Broadcast Scholarship Program. Two $2,000 scholarships are available to Louisiana broadcasting students to help enhance or put the finishing touches on an education and career in broadcast. Stop by this station, call 1-800-364-7260 or go to www.broadcasters.org. Deadline for entries, January 28, 2022. The Louisiana Association of Broadcasters Scholarship Program. Good for you, good for us, great for Louisiana. You know him. To be honest with you, Fitz, this letter will not change a lot for me. You love her. There's no simple solution how to move forward. You mentioned if you could go back in time. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, on Spain and Fitz. We're back. He's not going to feel it the same way. It's like a Harden or a West. Today is a dark, dark day for the New York Knicks. He's allowed to benefit from the hype of us promoting him to MVP level. And they let him go for nothing. Spain and Fitz returns weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. You're listening to ESPN 100.3 FM, KLRZ, La Rose, New Orleans, and the River Region. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Hello, sports fans. Well, hello there. Local sports, national sports. The GCAT has got you covered. Oh, you made a wise choice, my friend. Time to tee it up and let it fly. It's the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill. Check it out, George. Welcome back to the 2 o'clock hour of the Hudak Takeover on the Sports Hangover on the Pelicans flagship, ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. Again, it's Maddie Hudak here in studio at MattyHudak underscore 94. Uh, and I still have uh, Todd Graffanini on, if you all were on the 1 o'clock hour, uh, at NT Graff on Twitter and voice of the New Orleans Pelicans uh, as we continue to kind of break down uh, the stretch for the Pelicans as they, you know, continue to take on the Dallas Mavericks, including tonight at 7.30 p.m. Uh, but... As Graf was saying before, uh, yeah, I, I was at that game on, uh, Wednesday and, um, you know, it was just kind of safe to say when, when the other team's breaking NBA records and, you know, it's <laughs> three points, it's two points, it's points in the paint, it's free throws. I mean, you really, what, are, what are you supposed to do other than be an absolutely perfect team, uh, you know, in return? Yeah. And, and Maddie, look, let me clarify something. I, I gave a little bit of false information. The 68.7 field goal percentage was a Dallas Mavericks franchise record, ah. not not an NBA record. However, however, okay, effective field goal percentage in that game for Dallas was 79.5%, which is ludicrous. I mean, it's absolutely ludicrous. You're talking field goal attempts, you're talking threes, and you're talking free throws. That is an NBA record. All time, no team in the history of the NBA had an effective field goal percentage of 79.5 until the Dallas Mavericks did it the other night. Meaning, again, everything they put up went in uh, for the most part. So uh, it was a Mavericks franchise record. It also was a Pelicans franchise record of allowing uh, that said field goal percentage of 68.7. So um, it's it's always interesting when history is made. Unfortunately, you don't want to be on that side of history. I was going to say it's... That is uh, beautifully historic uh, from all, all points at that point. Um, but yeah, not, I mean, not you, from our perspective, not from our perspective. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, we're we're just trying to live in some delusion here, Graf. <laughs> let, let let the dream live on. 
Um, but it might not live on against, you know, the Dallas Mavericks who have, you know, been a problem for the Pelicans, uh, last year as well. Like you said, Luka Doncic got, oh my Lord, Luka Doncic. Am I okay? Take three. I, I don't, I don't think that I can do it. Doncic? Doncic. Doncic. Uh, uh, yeah, he, he, he averages basically a triple double every time that he plays the Pelicans. Um, uh, for some reason, I, again, you know, he just has, incredible games against New Orleans. Now, there is some slight good news tonight. Kristaps uh, Porzingis, who is another Pelican killer for the Dallas Mavericks, had 20 uh, points, 10 rebounds the other night. He is listed as doubtful with a knee injury, a sore knee. A- and, you know, myself and John DeShazer were discussing this on the air the other night. Porzingis was questionable going into the game on on Wednesday. And, you know, all of a sudden, well, I always play great against the Pelicans. I think I'm not going to sit this one out. And he played and obviously got 20 and 10. He was in the ball game, noticeably limping. And, uh, I mean, that game got out of hand in the fourth quarter. He was in the game in the fourth quarter, which, you know, we're looking at each other like, why is he even in there because he's hurt? Well, maybe he was in there too long because he's doubtful tonight. So uh, we still have to wait and see in the status of Josh Hart, who is obviously missed. Uh, on the defensive end against the Mavericks the other night, still uh, kind of resting that sore knee. Uh, Josh has been really, really good, uh, really good all year for that matter, but really, really good in the last couple of uh, weeks, especially on the defensive end. He's picked it up offensively as well, and uh, him not being in the lineup really hurt uh, the Pelicans the other night. So we'll see if we get Josh back for tonight's 7.30 tip. Yeah, and and you know, past uh, Hart's play, you know, he he's kind of you know moved into this uh, emotional leader role on the team. When you were talking before, how you know Gre- Willie Green was super positive, there was kind of that t- turning point where he did kind of call out the team for not playing hard through the end. And I believe that was the infamous you know swearing quote from Josh Hart that got you know everyone really excited. But you know, in, in lack of of a leader on this team, um, and really one that they haven't had in. in the last two seasons with injuries to guys like Zion Williamson and, and people like James Johnson stepping into that leadership role, uh, it really does seem, you know, not only has his play improved, but he, he's really, you know, taken on the shoulder of, of being that leader on the Pelicans. I, I agree, Maddie. And look, Josh has been here for three years now. They, they signed him. Uh, they signed an extension in the offseason. So he's going to be a part of this organization now moving forward. And you know, he was flat irked. I mean, after I want to say it was the Indiana game last Saturday, a week ago last Saturday, uh, where he just went off. He's like, look, we can use this youth excuse uh, only so long. You know, we got to figure it out. And it was that kind of vocal, you know, outburst that we really haven't seen in the last couple of years. So me personally, I loved it. Uh, just watching, you know, Josh kind of take ownership of this thing because he is a, a, he is a face of this franchise right now. And, he and we talked about it two years ago when he came in uh, in that trade that sent Anthony Davis to the Lakers and we got back Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart. But you know Josh had so many games that first year where you know he we kind of tagged him the junkyard dog. I mean he just does all the dirty work uh, for the team. I mean he rebounds, he defends, and now you know we've seen him offensively. We uh, we call him the one man fast break. He'll get a rebound on 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 one end and then just go coast to coast and lay it in. It's it's really difficult to stop him when he gets that head of steam. So it, it's just been fun to watch him progress. He's without question having the best year to this point of his career. And, uh, 
but I, I'm I'm more fired up for him for the leadership aspect because, quite honestly, Matty, we we just haven't had a vocal leader like that on this team. You know, you can go back again. This is my third year with the organization. You know, JJ Redick did did some of that uh, in his brief time here, but um, it, it's just been a team that that really doesn't have vocal guys. And to see Josh become one of them is a very, very good sign. Uh, and, and yeah, he unfortunately wasn't able, you know, to play in that uh, right. game. But uh, it looks like he's questionable for, for tonight's matchup. Yes, yep. He, so. he, was, he was out there at shoot-around. Um, we'll, we'll just see what happens. He did not participate. Uh, he was, again, he, he's experiencing soreness. But, uh, again, Josh is one of those guys where he can go out pre-game and go out and warm up, and, and he's tough enough where if, if he feels like he can do it, he'll do it. So uh, let's hope we get him out there. Yeah, and, again, that'll be tonight at 730 uh, in Dallas where Graf is, you know, amongst uh, enemy territory, <laughs> although most of them might still be on Bourbon Street at this point, you know, celebrating back-to-back uh, uh, wins for their lovely uh, America's team uh, and, and all of that, I know that you were uh, pretty miserable watching I, uh, that game in, yeah, in Dallas last I, night. I, I was uh, I was at a sports bar across the street for a little bit of it, Maddie, and then I came back to my room. And quite frankly, I am very fortunate that I'm still in this hotel. Um, I I, uh, I was not a happy camper. I, I think the Garrett Griffin. Um, what do they call it? A uh, blindside block? Blindside block, yeah. I, someone was blindsided. I don't um, think it was the guy that was blocked. No, I um, I, I think that kind of threw me over the edge, Maddie. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm quite certain that everyone uh, on this floor uh, heard the outburst uh, after that garbage play. But, I mean, that's a, that is a huge play in the game. That is a huge play in the game. I mean, that third quarter, it's still a ball game. I just, you can't make a call like that. And I just, I hate blaming the refs, but I always do. It's a fantastic pastime of mine. Um, You can't screw that up. You just can't. Um, You know, Dallas doesn't need any help. They, They had all their weapons last night offensively. And I thought the Saints defense played pretty solidly. Throughout, uh, you know, other than the long run by Pollard, they did a really good job defensively holding that team down. We all know what the struggles are offensively. That is well documented. I thought Hill really toughed it out at quarterback. I mean, he got hurt early on, and you know, watching on TV, it was pretty evident, Maddie, that his that finger was in not good shape. And uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to throw a football with a, with a splint on your middle finger. Um, it's um, quite. Impossible to do so. I, I thought he was, I thought he was as solid as he could get in that aspect. Obviously, the interceptions really did him in at the end. But you know, to see him literally take the game over with his legs in the third quarter, I was I was pretty fired up about that. I mean, every play it was Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill left, Taysom Hill right, Taysom Hill up the middle. Yeah, it brought back some good memories of last year. But no, um, it just you know. Just not enough firepower, and and uh, eventually Dallas was able to win out. That's you could honestly apply that to either uh, basketball or football at this point. But you know, as much as the Pelicans, they're they're 
experiencing, you know, a, a small setback with Zion. I mean, the, the, the comparatively at the quarterback role for the Saints, I mean, th- this is, you know, perhaps a, a top three, uh, you know, worst quarterback runs in terms of, of injuries now, you know, with Taysom potentially having uh, a torn tendon in, tendon in his finger. So, you know, even if last night, you know, was considered a good game for him, he he's probably needs surgery at this point. So what what happens now for this team? That's a great question. I mean, Sean Payton's got to be sitting there on airline going, what in the world, man? I mean, what is happening this year? I, it, I mean, it has just been ridiculous, the amount of injuries, and it's just such key positions. Um, you know, I know you've been talking about this throughout with, with all of your guests today. And, look, you've got I, – I think you're going to see Trevor Simeon go back there. And I, I, just listening earlier when David Grubb talked about it, I, I agree. you got to get Ian Book ready to go. I, not maybe, all right, you're going to go start, but I think he's got to be ready to play, Matty. And especially the key is, though, the key is you've got to get your, your bookend tackles back. You've got to get Ramchek back, and you've got to get Armstead back and Kamara. When those guys come back, then you've got a fighting chance. You've got a fighting chance. Now, the receivers need to start making plays. I mean, they got to make plays. That, that, the interception at the end of the half, I thought, was the turning point in the ballgame. You're going in to either tie it up or take the lead. And to have a ball go right through Kenny Stills' hands that gets intercepted, by the way, Dallas made the luckiest catches I've ever seen in my entire life last night with these guys dragging their feet. I mean, they couldn't do it again if they sat there all day and tried to drag their feet. You know, DBs are making interceptions, dragging their feet. Uh, Wide receivers are making catches they've never made in their lives, uh, dragging their feet yesterday. You know, but those are the types of things that you have to do to help your quarterback out. Taysom Hill threw threw a really good pass to Kenny Stills. I mean, you heard after the game, Sean Payton mentioned that we got to help him out. We got to help him out. And to go from a potential game tying field goal to a potential touchdown turned into a turnover at the end of the half. Then Dallas goes down the field and kicks a field goal. So that's a, that's a possible 10 point swing at the end of the first half. And it completely took the momentum away from the Saints who were playing solid football at that time on both sides of the ball. Yeah, uh, and just to kind of go over the kicking situation, which just continues to be brought up every week, I thought the 56-yard attempt was, you know, certainly a choice for... Um... Uh, bold. That was bold, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he made the extra point after that, and that almost seemed like a fever dream, but uh, <laughs> uh, that position has slid up in the rankings in, in terms of importance, but... uh at this point, it's quarterback, kicker, wide receiver, pretty much everything moving forward. I'm with you that Ian Book has to see at least some meaningful uh, reps in practice. Uh, and, you know, maybe, the, you know, maybe once he starts working with the first teamers, there's some more potential there. But, you know, when, when well, he's. Well, that, but that's the thing, Maddie. He can't, you can't put him out there with a makeshift offensive line. Oh, no. No Alvin Kamara. You've got, you've got to have help. He's got to have help. That, that is, that is the stipulation. I mean, we've already seen what Trevor Simeon uh, has done with the makeshift. I mean, it's just, it's not good, but it's, you know, it is what it is. I mean, to use the line, uh, I mean, until you get these guys back, it's going to continue to be a struggle. Yeah, 
I think I said that on Twitter last night. That's been my motto of this season entirely is it is what it is. Um, and what it is 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 probably the easiest game on, on the schedule uh, against the Jets next week. So hopefully it just, you know, for, for a happy day in New Orleans to be able to pull this out. Yeah, I'll be in San Antonio next Sunday. I, so uh, I guess everyone on that floor of that hotel will get a chance to uh, listen to my uh, angst, if you will, watching New Orleans Saints football on the road. I wouldn't well, wish that on anybody, Maddie. I really wouldn't. At, le- at least there's no uh, San Antonio uh, football team uh, to, <laughs> That's to very true. add on to the mess. Um well, as always, um, my, you know, typical co-host, except he's in Dallas, so we just kept him on as long as we could to get some great insight on the Pelicans and the Saints. My good friend, voice of the New Orleans Pelicans, Todd Graffanini at NT Graff on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining me for the last 30 minutes, Graff. You got it, Maddie. Have a great rest of the show. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break on the sports hangover and, uh, on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. <laughs> Time is money. Don't waste both running around looking for filters, batteries, and belt sand related items. Fleet Supply Warehouse delivers. Fleet Supply offers daily scheduled delivery, including Bayou Lafouche, New Orleans, Morgan City, New Iberia, Lafayette, Thibodeau, Baton Rouge, the North Shore, plus the River Parishes, too. Automotive, lawn equipment, agricultural, marine, or industrial. Fleet Supply Warehouse. 985-868-0430. Venture Boulevard, Homa. Offshore workers are among the most important members of the Gulf Coast workforce. When a person working offshore or on a vessel is injured, the effects on their family can be devastating. At The King Firm, we are proud to have experience with these types of cases and make it a priority to see that our clients receive just compensation and are treated fairly. If you've been injured, don't play the game of claims with the insurance companies. Ring The King at 504-909-KING or 888-241-8766. Coco's Mexican Restaurant on Highway 1 in Raceland is open and ready to please you. They have daily lunch specials Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Mouth-watering Mexican food daily with delicious specialty dishes like coconut shrimp tacos, Baja fish tacos, plus try the trio burritos or a carne asada. Coco's Mexican has happy hour from 3 to 7 p.m. with two-for-one margaritas. Delivery service from waiters also available. They're located on Highway 1 in Raceland next to the post office. Coco's. Terrebonne General Health System Community Sports Institute is recognized for outstanding service and contributions to Terrebonne Parish. We provide a certified athletic trainer to every Terrebonne Parish high school. We also provide concussion baseline testing to over 1,400 student-athletes annually, along with CPR and AED certification to over 500 area coaches at both the schools and the recreation departments. We are proud to be your trusted resource in keeping our community safe. Visit TGHealthSystem.com. That man's got some stones. Believe me, he is no wood. His legend lives on. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Welcome back to the Hudak Takeover here on The Sports Hangover on the Pelicans flagship, ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. Maddie Hudak here at Maddie Hudak underscore nine four. Uh, and let's, uh, bring in some callers this hour. Uh, now that I'm, you know, able to see them on the screen, I believe first up, uh, we have Jeff on the line. Hey, Maddie, who that five oh four? How are you? Hi, I'm 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 uh doing well today. How are you, Jeff? 
<laughs> I'm doing well. Um, you know, this is not the first time you and I have talked on, on the air. Uh, I've been trying to get some sense into you since about the summertime. Um, before I want to get into Taysom Hill and why he's not a real quarterback, I just want to say, if you have a man in your life at all, I hope to goodness you are as devoted to him as you are to Taysom Hill because that's the kind of bond that great works of literature are written about. That's the kind of love that goes down in history books. I mean, nations have risen and fallen because of that kind of stuff. I just, I just hope that, that that's one lucky dude. You know, I don't because I spend all of my time uh... – being obsessed with uh, Taysom Hill, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, there's probably no time for any other guy. I understand. I understand. Um, out of curiosity, are we finally ready after the display last night? Are we finally ready to say that Taysom Hill might not be a quarterback? Are we finally ready there yet, Maddie? Uh, I mean, yeah. And, and again, what my viewpoint going into that game was, it really isn't looking at Hill as the quarterback of the future, if nothing else, you know, besides the contract. Yeah. Uh, but. I, I mean, I think it's safe to say that no quarterback besides Jameis Winston has been able to elevate this offense uh, in a way to mean win meaningful football games. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, he's definitely not who I'm looking at as quarterback of the future uh, as of right now. But it's also just really hard for me to evaluate the play of someone who, you know, was held together by string cheese that doesn't excuse some of his poor decision making because that can only you know, explain so much. And, you know, the the decisions he made ended in turnovers and turnovers will win and, and lose you football games. So, you know, just as that was something I was worried about with Winston, who all, you know, very much proved everyone wrong and, and, and you know, blew those stats out of the water. Um, You know, he'll, you can't throw four interceptions in a game. You just can't. So. Oh, oh. And it wasn't just four interceptions. If you remember, there were, there could have been, it could have been worse. There were two that the defense dropped. He could have had six and he almost lost the fumble. I mean, that's fine. You could say the same about a lot of Trevor Simeon's uh, passes the last couple of weeks if we're, you know, discussing turnover-worthy picks. Uh, there were certainly a lot of them that I actually thought were interceptions in real time on the press box, but ended up actually being completions to receivers. Thought they were, you know, some very, you know, bold decisions to make, but it, it's just clear to me that, you know, the the path to success is it, just not there at this point, um, no matter who's under center, to be quite honest. Well, speaking of Trevor Simeon, I misspoke a little bit when we spoke early in the week. I wanted to bring, I think Saints fans are being very, very harsh on him. I think they've already forgot that in the Atlanta game, he came from behind, took the lead, only to have the defense blow it in the last few minutes. And that was a game that had so many drop passes and so many penalties before halftime. And I think the defense let the Falcons go for like five or nine or uh, third down conversions in the first half, something ridiculous. And, uh, Something very similar happened to Tennessee. I think I think Saints fans have very short-term memory loss when it comes to that. It's like, you know, Simeon is not a scrub. He's been thrown to minor leaguers that can't catch and behind an offensive line that can't block. I mean, it's not like the guy – this is a guy who's been in the locker room with both Peyton Manning, Andrew Brees, and if you want to say it, Jameis Winston. So, I mean, it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. I, I mean, sure, but, uh, you know, I can also point to a lot of, you know, critical moments where – he doesn't really have situational awareness before halftime in the two-minute drills. You know, it, in one of the, in the Titans game, he took very you know ill-timed sacks that directly took them out of field goal range. Followed that up with a third-down attempt in the middle of the field with no timeouts left uh, and no ability to run the field goal unit out. And then you know throwing picks against the Eagles in the way that he did. Uh, I, I don't think that anyone again has been put in a position to succeed uh, under center on this team, but. You know, I I don't think anyone's, you know, a Trevor Simeon hater necessarily. It's just no one's really happy with uh, the state of this offense. But uh, any last words before I uh, want to get to our next caller, Robert? 
Yes, you mentioned uh, his pick six against the Eagles. I just want to mention that Taysom Hill threw more interceptions last night than, than Simeon has all season long. So I just want people to think about that. Okay, fair enough, Jeff. All right. Uh, <laughs> I will I will keep on with my love uh, for, for Taysom just for you as I get over to Robert. Uh, Robert, how are you today? Good, Maddie. That was pretty rough on Taysom there. I mean, I, I all but expected it to uh, come in, but, you know, I, I said this in the opener. I, I don't think rational discussion and, and Taysom Hill are, are two things that can ever coexist at this point, and that's, you know, swings from the good, the bad, the ugly with him, because I think if he did fantastic, that would be, you know, equally irrational reactions to that. Well, you, you got to figure the guy doesn't have three of his weapons to help him out any. You know, and I'm not a big Taysom quarterback fan. I am a big Taysom gadget fan, okay, um, because he, he pretty much lit up running last night. But the reason I was calling is I'm concerned that the Saints seem to definitely not want to go after and sign Jake Baritti off of Baltimore's practice squad, who's the understudy to Justin Tucker. It just keeps amazing me why they don't bring him in to try him out, you know. That, that's totally fair. Um, I, I'd be hard pressed to disagree with you. Um, you know, unless that he's, you know, being protected on the roster in some fashion. But yeah, kicking has just been completely, you know, uh, just any, uh, one of the bigger weaknesses on this team really all season and, and could have been the difference maker in several games. Absolutely. Well, and, and I think, uh, the guy last night, he had the leg. Unfortunately, he didn't have the direction even on 56 yarder. I mean, he was definitely long enough. Just didn't make it through the goalposts, you know. Are you talking about Taysom? No, no, no. The kicker, Mayor. Oh, the kicker. Yeah. yeah, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, them attempting that in the first place was a little surprising to me, just based on the the field position. Uh, But it was a very sad, sad uh, punt that I don't even think almost made it to the field goal uh, bar at that point. Thank you so much, Robert. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think okay. that's, that's totally, uh, fair, you know, uh, that th- the kicking position should still be open. I absolutely agree with you. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, to me, kicking has almost become, you know, the MVP position. We talk about how much of a difference Blake Gilligan makes at that punting role. Uh, and, you know, Saints fans understand the importance of punting with Thomas Morstead all of those years, but, you know, having someone come in immediately and you see the field position that Blake Gillikin is able to provide for them. But when you look at the amount of missed field goals and, and missed extra points these last couple weeks, I believe the last time I hosted the show, I, I kind of went on a tangent about two-point conversions and, and kicks. Uh, and then my article after, uh, I, I believe, the Eagles game, uh, you know, on USA Today Saints Wire kind of wrote this whole thing on the fact that there were three-point games, uh, or, you know, there were games that the field goals that were missed, the extra points that were missed, the the team might have actually won the game had they made any of those kicks. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, that was the kicker that people were looking at on the Ravens practice squad in the preseason. Uh, and I'd be hard-pressed to disagree that if he is available, uh, that they shouldn't give him a shot. But just to go over those two quick callers and, and their thoughts on, on Taysom Hill, and, you know, I, I joke that I'm, I'm the Taysom Hill fangirl at this point because I don't really have a choice. Uh, I You know, I was trying to kind of leave it open during training camp. And in doing so, you know, 
I, I just decided to, you know, back the mobility that Taysom could offer. I was blown away then by Jameis Winston's mobility, uh, which really changed things for me. So, but I mean, I personally can't evaluate last night in a vacuum, uh, at this point with all of the injuries to this team, the fact that he hasn't played quarterback in seven weeks. Uh, I, I just have, I've never seen a, you know, player get quick snap judgment, uh, more than I have than, uh, Taysom Hill. Uh, it looks like we do have a couple of callers on the line. Um, if I have someone on right now, uh, is there a caller? Nope. All right. Still some technical difficulties here. We're doing our best, but yeah, I, I mean, again, I don't think that Taysom, you know, had a great game. Uh, uh I mean, unless you separate the fourth quarter from, Wait. I'm sorry, is the, do I have the caller back now? Joe? Hey, Maddie. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, Joe and Alexa? (laughs) Alexa, that's right. I was doing yard work. My wife is telling me to put up the Christmas decorations because we're hosting on Tuesday. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, thanks a lot for the warning. And it took me three days to get this thing up. Real quick, I'm watching the game. Okay. And if you know, you probably don't. I'm a big Cowboy fan, big Texas yeah. fan. Okay. Oh, congrats. Graffinini and I have a history. Oh. Where the God, every time he gets on his radio station and complains about Dallas and Texas in the Texas, he complains about the officiating. Okay? So I understand the blindside penalty was a bad call. Okay. But there was a lot of no calls on pass interference, okay? And last year, it was three offensive pass interference on the Cowboys, and y'all eked one out in the Superdome again, okay? So it goes both ways, all right? So Mr. Grappanini, like he told me once before, needs to put down the crack pipe, okay? The four interceptions was no answer for this, okay? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know, for, uh, the, you know, issues with the refs, I mean, you, you say that the situations are the same, but I think when you're talking to any Saints fan and you mention, uh, the refereeing and especially pass interference, but the blind side block to me, what was different was the safety aspect, uh, and the implications of, you know, saying that that was incorrect when, you know, Taysom's blind side is, it was completely left open and he would have just gotten absolutely cremated there. If Garrett Griffin hadn't gone in for that block, which, you know, uh, I haven't had a chance to really look at it that closely, but all, uh, you know, from what I've seen, it was pretty much textbook blocking back there. And so that's really, you yeah. know, looking at the safety of the quarterback role, and that's where it differs a little to me. It was a bad call. It really was. I would have been howling too, but it wasn't the difference in the game. Okay. I, I, I could agree with that. Now, real quick. Okay. We're not crowing about this, all right? We've got our own issues us being the Cowboys, all right? We're going to take this victory and walk away, okay? Better done that way. The four interceptions was the difference, okay? Now, with that said, okay, with that said, you've got to give Taysom another chance here. He had a broken finger, and he's throwing. Okay, trust me. We had no answer for him running the ball. He was over 100 yards in the third quarter before he started getting sacked. Okay, so the, it was a valiant effort. I even told my wife that because she's not speaking to me now. Okay, it was a valiant effort, 
But with that said, you got to find an answer to the quarterback if you're not going to use Taysom. Fair enough. Uh, and we got to uh, head to a break here, Joe, but uh, I don't know if you saw the Go news. Uh, he might need some surgery on that finger, so it's still a question moving forward. Uh, again, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, I'm going to have Love our you. NFC. Sure. All right, see you. We're going to have our NFC South uh, correspondent, Leo Haggerty, on to break down uh, whatever's going on in our division. So we'll be right back with the Sports Hangover on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. I was surprised. I was definitely surprised. Yep, we had no idea. Totally surprised. Um, can you say jaw drop? Who knew? State Farm with these great rates? The surprise everyone's talking about is the surprisingly great rates for home and auto insurance from State Farm, especially when you combine them. When you want the real deal, call State Farm agent Ashley Barrios and cut off today. 985-632-0988. Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm a broken traffic light. Stop and go is the name of my game. It's easy. You go, they go... Or was it, they go, you go? <laughs> and if you have the wrong car insurance, these repair costs could stop you in your tracks. So get Allstate's new low auto rate and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Not available in every state, based on coverage and limits selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Allstate Bar and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. What is hope? Hope to me was just that he would get to come home. I had no idea how hard it would be once he got back. I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I hope she sees that soon. I act like I don't care if he comes to my games, but I hope he does. I used to hope he'd find happiness again. Now I hope our marriage makes it. I hope Grandpa will get help. He thinks it's too late, but it's not. With everything that he's going through, I hope he sees a counselor. I just want my brother back. I hoped he'd get help. Stop hoping things would get better on their own. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Now back to The Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengau. Welcome back to The Sports Hangover. It's Maddie Hudak here at Maddie Hudak underscore 94 on Twitter. Uh, breaking down uh, The Sports Hangover today on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. Quickly before we get to our NFC guest, Leo Haggerty, I have Leslie on hold. Uh, Leslie, quick question before I go to our guest. Yes, how y'all doing? First time I ever called and talked to you, I got a question. Antonio Brown got suspended for three games for lying about the COVID test. Why Aaron Rodgers didn't get the same thing? Uh, What's the difference? I think the difference was that, uh, you know, the fake vaccination card uh, in comparison to uh, I guess, you know, the NFL having some awareness of it. Uh, I, I'm really not sure, though, but it's actually a perfect question uh, for the guests that I have on now. So, Leslie, uh, you know, I have a, a NFC South correspondent coming on uh, to talk some bucks, so they might have a better answer uh, if you want to, you know, hang on um, while I 
uh, bring on our guest. Yeah, I, 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 I just want to know because a lie is a lie. It don't matter how you lie about it. You lie. I, I'm with you. I was raised by attorneys, and you know, integrity is always my top line. So I, I'm with you. But I'll, I'll go over and head over to my guest and, and see if we can get some clarity on that. Thanks, Leslie. All right. All right. Thank you, Leslie. And as I bring on our guest, Leo Haggerty, uh, our NFC South correspondent, uh, to talk some Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Twitter at Leo Haggerty one. Uh, Leo, how are you today? Hello, Leo. Playing games. Here we are. Leo, do I have you? Yeah. Okay, sorry, I, I had you on on hold on my screen, so I couldn't hear you at first. <laughs> no problem. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, to kind of break down the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, we did just have a caller call in, and this was one going to be, you know, one of the questions uh, that I was going to, you know, a- ask you about. But uh, you know, looking at the Buccaneers, even though things are going well for them, uh, you know, what what's what's really going on with the the COVID cards in that situation? Well, it's all about the falsification of the card. And again, he he had a great question. Why wasn't Aaron Rodgers punished? Because yeah. Aaron Rodgers didn't produce a, a phony card. Uh, the, the Buccaneers, they have uh, two players that uh, produced uh, false vaccination cards, and they're going to sit out a couple games, three games for it. And uh, that, that's just the way the NFL is going to be with it. Yeah, to me, the difference was, uh, like you said, it, it, it's that – overt act of you know deliberately producing a, a fake card and you know lying to the league and and the team in tandem whereas to me the difference was I mean there's definitely uh in my opinion really unexplored criticism over you know the Packers debatably uh you know breaking protocol uh when you look at pictures of Aaron Rodgers on the team plane I know that they said he was tested every single day but to me the culpability lied you know as much with the team as it did with Aaron Rodgers. And so that also kind of separates the situations for me, whereas Antonio Brown, you know, went out on his own regard and, and lied to the team uh, outright. Oh, absolutely. The culpability lies with the team because they were responsible for making sure that he had an, a, a mask on and he was uh, uh, quarantined from the players if he wasn't vaccinated. But yeah, it's, uh, I think the, the Packers are more at fault here than anything else. The, the Buccaneers are a little bit at fault because of uh, not doing what they would think is due diligence with, with checking these cards. But uh, still, uh, the guy gives you a card, you got to trust him until he tells you different. Right. That's, that's my thought. Yeah. I mean, the onus at that point, like you said, it, it, the team has a responsibility, but... They, they, you know, to say that they can, you know, fully control all of the players and all of these things when, you know, it's not like they have some secret machine that can tell what cards are correct or not. It's, it's to me kind of like fake IDs for lack of a better term, where if you're really skilled in being able to pick out those differences, but, you know, I, I, to me, it doesn't seem that impossible, especially with the, you know, resources that someone like Brown would have to produce, you know, a, a believable, uh, fake vaccination card. And so I, I believe he's suspended for, uh, your next three games. Is that correct? Yeah. He's out the three games, but the, the biggest question I have is, does anybody really think that in the 32 teams, this is the only two guys that have Fair done enough. it? I, I, I think this is opening up a Pandora's box in the NFL, and there's a lot of people 
uh, players that are just kind of going, well, you know, uh, let, let's hope they don't find me because it's it, 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 the same with the players. Is they, They're not a total buy-in to the vaccine. Again, you're talking about athletes that are in the prime of their life, the best shape of their life, and the data, it, it's not skewed. There just isn't a lot of it. Again, I'm old, old enough to go back to when we had the uh, polio vaccine. That was tested for yeah. three years. This was tested for three months. So th- there's a lot of skepticism with the players, and they, they just don't want to talk about it because right now that's not the side of the argument you want to be on. You want to get tested, you want to get vaccinated, and go from there. And if you're not, you better keep it quiet. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I know there's uh, a lot of hesitancy out there, a lot of misinformation. But yeah, when you're when you're a professional football player, you're getting played millions of dollars. Uh, I just to me, this you you can't you know be lying like that. You know, there's there's no vaccine mandate. That's the thing to me is he could have just said I'm unvaccinated and and followed those procedures and chose not to. And now you know those three games that he's going to be out of. Looking at your guys' schedule, you guys are first in the NFC South, but a lot of divisional matchups coming up. And um, how, how confident are you heading into the Bills game this Sunday? Well, they go to Atlanta Sunday, and then two weeks they get the Bills. But uh, you're right. The bigger <laughs> loss to the Buccaneers is Mike Edwards. Their secondary has been depleted yeah. by injury, and, and now another uh, player goes down, and not because of injuries. Now they're going to try to get some people back, but. Uh, this secondary since the first game has been held together by basically glue. And uh, they're, they're just, it's a different guy every week. So, yeah, Antonio Brown's a big piece, but he's replaceable. Mike Edwards is not. That's a great point. Yeah, when you look at the injuries to the secondary, uh, really all season, having that kind of come in. Um, and so kind of looking at that that game, I mean, I, I suppose on the on the plus side, maybe uh, the Falcons have, have been struggling and barely managed to, you know, beat the Jaguars. So that that might be something. But those suspensions will, you know, those will last uh, for three games, which that last one is that Saints-Buccaneers game on December 19th in Tampa Bay. Um, I, I know the Saints got the better uh, of the Buccaneers the last time, but that, that matchup for, you know, the Saints continues to get a little scarier uh, by the day. So, you know, to be selfish, having players like Mike Edwards and Antonio Brown out for that matchup is is a positive for the Saints. Oh, absolutely. And again, I don't think this is going to be a walk in the park for the Buccaneers of Atlanta. This team and all the other 31 teams in the NFL have gone through a season last year of playing in morgues. There, there was no noise. Now, they're going to places, and I was at the game in New Orleans, and the Superdome, it was between 110 and 120 decibels every time yeah. the Buccaneers came. It, it was loud, and that's a great point. Oh, it's a, it, it was the loudest place I've ever been in in the 20 years I've covered uh, professional football. And, again, it's going to be loud in Atlanta. I expect the Buccaneers to win, but I, I'll tell you what, if I'm a betting man, I'm taking that 11 points and run with it with Atlanta. I think it's going to be like a three-, four-point game. That's it. Wow. Uh, and, and so for you guys, I mean, you know, I, I, Saints are kind of looking at a wild guard berth. They're, they're out of the race now, but, you know, the Bucks are, are looking to hold on to, you know, that, that, uh, first round standing. I, I don't believe they've clinched the division yet. Uh, but, you know, they've, they've been on a winning streak. 
Uh, and, and the Falcons are, are the Falcons. I mean, I, I agree with you. The Saints have, have issues with divisional matchups. And that's really, you know, what the end of the season gets down to is those heavy divisional matchups and, and really those standings could flip on a dime. Oh, absolutely. And the biggest thing for the Buccaneers is they got to finish with home field. If they got to go to Green Bay this year, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, they, they went, and, and this is the amazing thing about last year. The Buccaneers went to Washington, went to New Orleans, and went to Green Bay and won all three games on the road in places where it was quiet and in Green Bay where it was almost a springtime game. That's not going to happen this year. So the Buccaneers need to get a home field. That's for sure. And uh, right now, if the Buccaneers get beaten in Atlanta, that puts them at 7-4, and four, and that doesn't clinch the division at all because that'll put Atlanta at 6-6. Six and six. They'll, they'll yeah. be two games back. So, yeah, it, it's going to go down to probably week 16, 15 or 16 before anything's decided mathematically. Yeah, especially, yeah, you guys haven't played the Panthers at all. Those are still those two games uh, remaining. Uh, but, you know, looking at that Saints-Buccaneers matchup, uh, are you are you picking your home team for that one? Right now I am because uh, I'll tell you what, I, I got a feeling that Taysom Hill is going to get better in the next couple of weeks. But, uh, again, uh, the Saints pretty much owned the Buccaneers last year except for the NFC game. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they beat them badly in the opener down in New Orleans and came in here and beat them 33-3. to <laughs> It's yeah. probably the worst performance the Buccaneers had, and, and it was right before the bye. And I think that's a big thing this year. The Buccaneers last year had their bye week 13, and they got healthy and, and they got smart. Now they had their bye week nine. They're going to have to go nine straight weeks just to get to the playoffs. And and this is an old team. I mean, you got a 44-year-old quarterback. Uh, you, you've got a lot of veterans uh, sprinkled in to, to a, a, a fairly young roster. But, again, <laughs> it's hard to play nine straight weeks. Look and see which one of the playoff teams has that late bye. They're going to probably have the best chance to, to get to Los Angeles in the Super Bowl. That's a great, yeah, that's a great point, especially when you think about that extra game this season. Those those early buys are really just a killer. Um, so, uh, yeah, the Saints is in week six, and that feels like a decade ago at this point. Oh, God, you know, think <laughs> about it now. <laughs> week six, you're talking about 11 games just to get to the playoffs, and you know, Jameis goes down, and that wasn't good. And you got Taysom Hill was hurt at the same time. So, again, if the Saints can recover, and I think nine and eight gets you into the playoffs this year, just because of the way things are running right. in the NFC. Uh, and everybody's going through that stretch. The Rams are, are into that stretch. Uh, you look at what's going on uh, in New Orleans. You look at what's going on in Atlanta. Uh, they're, they're up and down. There's, there's a lot of inconsistency, not just in the NFC South, but throughout the NFL completely. Oh, absolutely. I will totally agree with you. Again, that's Leo Haggerty at Leo Haggerty one on Twitter. Just to break down some divisional stuff, we are going to head to our break, but thank you so much, Leo, for joining me. Well, I appreciate it. You have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. All right. We will be right back with the sports hangover on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. It's time to have fun, so come on in. Come on in and win. It's magic. 
video poker players know, there's a difference at Cash Magic, a big difference. At your local Cash Magic casino, you'll have fun playing the newest games while enjoying our fast and friendly VIP service. Cash Magic is my lucky place. They really do make you feel like a VIP. It's time to have fun, so let us make you feel right at home with our fast and friendly VIP service. Come feel the magic today at one of our nine Cash Magic casinos in Southeast Louisiana, including our two newest locations, Cash Magic Galliano and the Royal Flush in Homa, Louisiana's favorite place to play video poker, Cash Magic. You'll always be a VIP Cash Magic. Must be 21 or older. Valid ID required. Gambling problem 877-770-STOP. On August 29th, 2021, Hurricane Ida wreaked havoc on our community, leaving thousands of people feeling helpless, vulnerable, and desperate. We refuse to let insurance companies do the same. At AMO Trial Lawyers, we have assembled a team of not only attorneys, but also contractors, adjusters, engineers, and estimators with the focus of maximizing your claim value and assisting in your recovery. If you think your insurance company isn't treating you fairly, get a name that insurance companies know by calling 985-446-3333. I'm Matt Ori, And I'm David Ardwin. And we are the AMO Advantage. Other banks charge fees on savings and checking accounts. Doesn't sound good, does it? Capital One reimagined banking. So it sounds more like this. With Capital One, you can open an account with no fees or minimums in five minutes. Get started now at a Capital One location or online. Sound good to you? This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? For consumers only. Approval required. Offered by Capital One and a member FDIC. Copyright 2018 Capital One. Adventure, intrigue, mystery, romance. It's a storm of entertainment that brings down the house. Now, back to the Sports Hangover with Gus Kattengill on ESPN 100.3 FM and ESPN 1003.com. On uh, Sports Hangover on the Pelicans flagship ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. Maddie Hudak here again at Maddie Hudak underscore nine four. Been trying my uh, best to get through these three hours with uh, everything that's been going on, including conflicting information on the you know the Saints quarterback last night. At this point, you know uh, Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter are conspiring against me. Is at the top of the hour it, it broke that you know uh, Taysom was uh, you know potentially looking at needing surgery for a similar injury uh, that Russell Wilson had suffered, that mallet finger. Uh, Adam Schefter just tweeted out uh, a little while ago that the Saints doctors determined that he suffered that injury, but it won't uh, require surgery, and it's not uh, thought to be as extensive as the one that Wilson suffered earlier this year. So now it looks like he'll try to play through the injury, which uh, makes the uh, previous two and a half hours of the show half moot, uh, but half not, because we talked a lot about Taysom Hill and I mean, it just seems like Hill is really going to, you know, buck up and, and try to play through the pain with this injury. Uh, and so, you know, like it or not, it looks like Hill, you know, might continue to be the same starting quarterback uh, moving forward this season. Uh, it's That's always good news, especially when you're looking at it from there's been people that have called in and, and said, you know, I might not value Taysom at, at quarterback. But I think we can all agree that he brings immense value to a team. Uh, and to the Saints, uh, even in that Joker role. And so, you know, if he has a, a finger that needs surgery, I don't really think he can do the Joker role either, you know, catching passes and, and stuff like that. But if he's able to play through it, he'll, he'll probably do so at the helm of starting quarterback. Uh, so we're kind of back in that driver's seat uh, with the mobile quarterback under center. And, you know, let's let's just see how it goes against the Jets. It should be an easier matchup for anyone. Uh, and so, you know, if Hill is able to play through that, Hopefully he's able to settle in uh, a little 
you know, for this matchup uh, and just, you know, try to remain healthy, I guess, uh, and, and keep moving forward into the playoffs. Uh, and I was just talking with Leo Haggerty, uh, who, you know, covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he brought up a good point uh, and something that I think, you know, plays into this as well it is really just how difficult the season has been, you know, from an injury standpoint, but also from a timing perspective, especially for the New Orleans Saints. Um, first off, you know, adding that 17th game, uh, besides throwing off my internal trajectory, you know, by a mile, uh, it, you can just see how long the second half of the season stretch has, you know, gotten. And one of the big CBA, you know, points of contention was that the players wanted to add a second bye, and that was before they added an extra game. And instead, they added a 17th game, and they didn't add an extra bye. And it, it's kind of like the NBA playoffs uh, where, you know, they had a really jam-packed season last year. And, you know, going into the playoffs, you saw guys like Howie Leonard and and right at the top of the playoffs just get out for the remainder of them. And then what you saw towards the end of it, it's not the same product as, you know, what the NBA was selling heading into the playoffs. And, and the NFL is kind of looking down a similar, you know, viewpoint at this point with this extra game uh, and, and giving teams buys as early as week six. Uh, I remember when the schedule came out, the initial reaction was, you know, oh my gosh, that's that's much too early for a 16-week schedule. But a 17-week schedule? That's 11, you know, or 12 games after the fact uh, that, that the Saints have to go through. And I remember when that bye was coming up, there was a lot of injuries on the Saints team. Uh, a lot of people on injured reserve. I believe C.J. Gardner-Johnson was at that time. Uh, Marcus Davenport. Uh, I think that was also Quan Alexander. A lot of injuries at that point that made a big difference when they did come back. And they did come back. From that bye week, uh, they also had, you know, David Onimata come back from suspension at that same time, but they did see a lot of guys return from injured reserve after that bye week. And initially that was exciting, but I had kind of been sitting there in my head just thinking, you know, this is exciting now, but I mean, it only took a couple games before this team got, you know, half decimated and it's great that they were able to rest up for this week, but what, what happens down, you know, the line? And I don't think I also realized, you know, how jam-packed those last three games were for the Saints, you know, playing three games in 11 days at this point in the season when your bye week was weeks ago at this point. You know, uh, uh, he was Leo was saying how Tampa had a, a week nine bye, and that's, you know, really early for them considering they had a week 13 bye last year. But, I mean, a week six bye, that's, that's just been a, you know, a huge, huge killer here. And, you know, when they're looking at adding these wild card teams, adding more teams to the playoffs – I mean, at what point are you adding teams that aren't going to produce playoff play? Because uh, that's that's what this is kind of going down. So I'm curious, after this season, if there is some type of, you know, roundtable, what are, what are we doing here? You know, I, I know a lot of stuff is about ratings and TV. And so if you are going along that aspect, having guys that are, you know, totally out by the end of the season heading into the playoffs is just not a good look, especially when you add in those extra, you know, games. So... That's been a really killer for the Saints this season to me. There's no breaks. I mean, they have five more games. There's a lot of teams that are getting that week 13 by now. They're recouping and, and you know, being able to have that week before they're looking forward into the playoffs. Um, and, you know, at, at the top of the 12 o'clock hour, uh, we were, you know, talking about what this team would look like without Taysom Hill and, you know, what that would look like for Trevor Simeon and, and Ian Book getting some potential reps. Uh, and, and if, you know, it, now with this news that Taysom might be able to continue playing through that, I guess that helps in terms of getting an additional person out there. But 
There's also the argument of, you know, if, if the if the finger is, is really that hurt and they are, they are able to kind of make it into the playoffs, you know, there was something to be said about, you know, Hill potentially getting some rest. But you can't really do that now if he's able to go uh, as much as people don't want to hear that. And, uh, again, we, we joke about me, you know, being the, the Taysom Hill fangirl. But like it or not, he's QB2 on this team. He was the only other quarterback in the quarterback competition all season, all uh, offseason, through the preseason. Uh, and, uh, you know, all things considered, I believe, you know, the reports were that if he hadn't been injured with a concussion and then a foot injury, he likely would have gotten that starting call uh, over Simeon five five games ago. But obviously that's that's not what happened. And, and so, you know, we're moving forward with that. But he's a guy that's been in this building for five years. He has way more familiarity with the receivers than any quarterback on the roster. And that included Jameis Winston. Um, Jameis Winston outplayed him, but... Hill has a familiarity, and he has a familiarity as a receiver that's ran those routes, and that stuck out to me as well, uh, especially getting someone like Nick Vanette involved. You know, I had brought up how he had a connection with Adam Trotman uh, in his, you know, four-game stretch last year. He really seems to be able to get those tight ends working, and I don't think it's a coincidence that he primarily, you know, when he's lined up as a pass catcher, lines up in that tight end slot, has ran those routes countless times over, so that is something you consider, you know, what Hill brings to the table. But when you're talking about Simeon versus Hill, um, I, I, again, nothing against Trevor Simeon, but he, he lost four games in a row. Taysom lost one game in a row. And for some reason, you know, it's being looked at that that says more about Hill in one game than, than you know, Trevor Simeon through four games. And I don't know how you can blame the circumstances with Simeon and then, you know, blame the quarterback solely with Hill. And I think that they both have their own respective faults that they can speak to, but like it or not, you know, there's a reason that there's 32 NFL head coaches and most of us are not included in that number. Uh, and by most, I mean probably every single person that's listening right now, uh, and unless some coach just decided to have an off day today and, and listen to this. I could not imagine why, but, you know, that that's why there's professionals making decisions. And, you know, the, the, the decision through training camp was that Hill is QB2. So that's what this team's going to roll with. And, and like it or not, you kind of got to get used to it. So... You know, looking into this Jets game, that's that's a winnable game. It, it, it's the most winnable game on the schedule, and it has been all year. So if Taysom's able to start, hopefully he's able to settle in there. Uh, but Lord, was that a roller coaster with the Taysom Hill news and everything? Uh, thank you all for bearing with me through today, uh, through some technical difficulties, through that Taysom Hill news. You know, going one way and the other. Uh, it's been a, a wild Friday here on the Hudak Takeover on the Sports Hangover. But as always, thankful to Gus for uh, you know letting me fill in and spend three hours trying to make sense of uh, Thursday night's game. So thank you all for listening. Again, this is the Sports Hangover on the Pelicans flagship ESPN, ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. This is Maddie Hudak on Twitter at Maddie Hudak underscore 94. You can find me breaking down this game further. And I write for USA Today's Saints Wire where you can find, you know, my more in-depth analysis there as well. Uh, happy Friday, y'all. I will spare you the Rebecca Black soundtrack that Gus typically subjects you to. Thanks for listening to another Hudak Takeover on the Sports Hangover. Oh, 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 oh,